David Tui, you're an Irish Jesuit. You are also an ecumenical canon in the Church of Ireland as appointed by Archbishop Michael Jackson and also asked by him to do a piece of work. You're the joint author of a book called Growing in the Image and Likeness of God, a review of the Discipleship Project and Five Marks of Mission in the United Diocese of Dublin and Glendalock. So you carried out a, a substantial body yourself and Maria Feeney. Tell us about it. Well, in 2015, I got involved in this project called Come and See. Basically, the Archbishop had been recently appointed uh, into Dublin and he had commissioned a survey on mission in, in the diocese in which about 80% of the different parishes had responded saying what they liked about their parishes and about mission. And he wanted to follow up on that. And I have been working with the diocese in the area of education. So he asked me to facilitate some of that follow-up. And um, we brought people from the different uh, parishes together to talk, not like a survey where you respond to a central person, but they actually talked to one another about what happened and what they liked. And then they began to make plans for the future. And it, that became the Common Sea Project or a discipleship project. We tried to focus around three different areas, welcome, worship and witness. But then as we tried to look at some of that, we began to realise that there were five marks of mission attached to the Anglican Communion that were about 30 years old at the time. So what we began to do then was to organise the data and um, the responses um, around these five marks of mission and ask the the uh, different parishes to reflect on that and then to give them opportunities to develop projects uh, within their own parishes are linking with other parishes in what they call rural deaneries uh, that might promote any one of these marks of mission. Um, so that that was taken on as a year's project. It got extended into a two-year project then we decided to review it to see what worked and what didn't work. So, so that's where the book has come from. Um, so basically it reflects on some of the written reports we have. Um, it also reflects on uh, interviews we did because we, we went out into six of the different parishes and asked people what do they, what do they like, what do they didn't like, what worked, what didn't work. So what were the forces that helped people develop this and what were the forces that sort of pushed them away from said this isn't ready for me well that's we look at that in a minute then because that's very interesting because that was my question how did this work yeah. can we just talk about what briefly what were the five marks of discipleship so there, there are the five marks of mission but we, we've distilled them down into uh, sort of five words simple words the first one is to tell which is to uh, proclaim god's word and god's kingdom the second is to teach which is basically when people have accepted God's word, you nurture them and develop them. The third one was then to tend to respond to human need. So it's the kind of how do you respond to people in need, not just within your own church, but uh, in the world in general. And then the fourth one was to transform, which was looking at transforming unjust structures. So you just weren't dealing with the symptoms, but you were looking at the root causes and trying to move to changing that. And the fifth one then was to treasure, which was to safeguard uh, creation. And it was the ecological dimension and developing that. So they were the five things. And we were looking for people to say, well, like, 
are we overloaded in one area? Is there areas we can develop other areas in? And people took on different types of projects to, uh, within their own parishes. And but this is good because we're talking about people on the ground. We're not talking about their deacons or their their, their ministers. Yeah, it, it was designed in a way as a as a sort of a bottom up response. Uh, whereas what we were looking at was to try and promote discipleship and followership. Um, as opposed to ministry as such, which often had a, if you like, a clerical dimension to it. But of course, the whole thing does get trapped into it at the clerical dimension because people were afraid to start projects without the rector's approval and that type of stuff. So, so that, the the organisation, there was three parts to each section of this. One is to describe what happened, to describe people's reactions, and then to do an organisational analysis of what were the forces uh, involved in it. So we have you know people who got involved, really enjoyed doing stuff and their sense of involvement, and then they did reflect on there were certain pressures that were difficult to overcome and um, some projects didn't work and uh, some some projects took off you know tremendously for the people who were involved can you give us an example of some of first of all the projects that really worked and were good one of the things we talked a little bit about was using Glendalock as a source. So we developed a Camino of Glendalock, which has had a big impact in some in some places because it linked a lot with children in the confirmation classes and it was a sense of them linking with history but also linking with nature and uh, what they saw on the different trails that they could go on. So it ticked a few of the boxes of the family. Yeah, so it, like, it was a way in which it joined up the, uh, the marks of mission as, as something holistic and then they could link this then with the sacrament of confirmation and their own commitment to the future. Uh, and there was a number of different uh, pilgrimage experiences along with that. Uh, in the area of looking at unjust structures and the tending, there was a number of very big projects uh, that people undertook uh, of uh, being with people, uh, reaching out on an ecumenical basis to other people in their parishes, uh, people who have been in one particular parish, they worked with people who were affected by addiction. Either their partners or children had been addiction. And a lot of it was they gave some help, but they prayed for people. And, and then eventually they went and met them. And, you know, it was just a, a sense of accompaniment with others. And that it was a very powerful witness. And we had a number of children then who, in the schools, who got involved in making the the local cemetery, the local Church of Ireland Cemetery, a more eco-friendly uh, area. So they let the grass grow a little bit higher. They put in uh, uh, bug hotels and, uh, <laughs> and uh, hedgehogs came in. And, you know, it was, uh, you know, and they just said, if I do something small, I can do something for the environment around me. And, you know, so it was... Uh, and life in the midst of the death. Yeah, it's yeah, lovely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's, they, that worked. And, it, like, it does sound very impressive because it's, it is like a grassroots thing that people on the ground were sure. doing. What are the things, maybe the forces that worked against them that they can learn from? Well, I think part of it had to do with the uh, the fact that the parishes tended to see themselves as single units and trying to get people to move outside the parish uh, was was difficult. Um, 
I think that was one. I mean, someone jokingly said, I mean, like Church of Ireland parishes, sometimes they, they work well with Methodists, with Presbyterians, with Catholics on an ecumenical basis. They'll do interfaith stuff, but don't ask them to talk to their... And if someone said this with their tongue in their cheek, but I, I think it's often a case that, you know, like you're in a, in a group of people, you identify with them and you try to do stuff so with them and then to try and reach out and collaborate with others, even though there was plenty of evidence that there's a lot of collaboration at, at diocesan level, we had deliberately not put in diocesan collaborative structures in place. So there was no reference point for that. So people were left a little bit by themselves. So we learned a lot from that, that if you were expecting people to collaborate, you had to give them a focus whereby they could check things out. So that was a, something that we hadn't done that well. I think the other area then was that there is a strong sense of ministry in parishes and people check things out with the rector. And uh, then if the rector wasn't on board with some of this, then they felt a little bit more constrained. And uh, one of the things that happened to us, I think, was like we held a big meeting uh, with all the parishes in September and then we started the year of common see the following November. So the transition was too quick for people to readjust their their sites, if you like. So and the director's not come along to those meetings or oh they did they, well they were there and I mean they, they kind of accepted the idea but often their plans were in place yeah uh, for they the year more time. so they needed a bit more time so that's why we extended it to a second year and more people were coming on board because they'd seen it work in some of the other parishes and that so so it just took a little bit more time I think one of the things we have found is that there is a an embedding of the language of come and see, but also of the five marks of mission. I mean, one of the surprising things for me was that the, the five marks of mission were not well known. Uh, so, um, in some Even sense, though they were 30 years old. Even though they were 30 years old. So, I mean, they were in the background, but they weren't part of, of the focus. So, like, at one level, someone said, it was very Catholic, and I said, no, actually, it's very Anglican. <laughs> uh, so, so don't d- don't confuse the message and the messenger. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was good, and um, I think people who have uh, looked at this have found the tremendous richness of the biblical base of the Five Marks of Mission, and how it's an intuitive part of the Anglican Church here in Ireland. I suppose part of the aim of taking this on as a project was to make that sense of discipleship a little bit more intentional, that uh, it wasn't just a gut feeling or, you know, Drifting an, intuitive, an intuitive basis. It's uh, There was a little bit more intention that we, you set out to deliberately develop a, a sense of discipleship. That was the project. And you mentioned somebody saying to you, this is very Catholic. I mean, what struck me was, would this be a model that could work well in Catholic parishes around Ireland as well? I mean, it's, it's there, it's been tested, it's been reviewed, you've learned lessons. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think as a process of introducing people to a model of discipleship, I mean, this was a model that, like, the five marks of mission were very much part of the Anglican Communion. I suppose the thing is to try and find something that expresses what might resonate with a Catholic culture within a parish and to try and find. But I do think there is a lot to be learned from the project work and you set a project you prepare people for it and then you have to be prepared to follow up on it Um, and I think there's a lot of learning that we did on that. Yeah I mean even if you didn't pick the same five things the process is there that worked well for building from the bottom up and there's learning from it as well over the two years. 
Yeah, and I mean, I suppose the basic project was what we called a come and see, which we based on on John's gospel of the disciples searching for something, and Jesus said, well, come and see. And they stayed with him, and then it was he developed that as to come follow me. So the basic thrust of the thing was people talking to one another and sharing what excited them about what was happening. I think that is a model of discipleship, uh, of learning about discipleship and learning about where God is present and celebrating where he is within the parishes and the diocese. I think that's one of the things that we were quite determined of, that in the, in the project, we wanted to build on what was already happening. This wasn't something new. We were saying that, you know, discipleship is alive and well in Dublin and Glendalough. How do we build on this? It wasn't, oh my God, there's nothing happening. What do we do? It, you know, it was it was a, a process of affirmation. And I think when we, we focus on that aspect of what's going on, you do find ways of, of affirming people and developing them. And reflecting on the process and then developing from it. One of the things I love is the title of this review that you've done, Growing in the Image and Likeness of God. I mean, you talk about the projects and, you know, the humble yeah. origins of them and in a parish and local yeah. people yeah. and doing small things and a lovely Camino walk and yeah. working with somebody with addiction. But that's a big title then to, to finish with, isn't it? Well, yeah, I suppose when we were reviewing discipleship and God's call to humanity, we basically went back to Genesis and uh, the original thing was like God said, let us make humanity in our own image. And God's intervention in history from creation and setting up the covenant with people and all the rest of it, it was all to help us to be friends with him and to be more like him so that we would share his life. and, and And basically... Discipleship is a response to God's initiative and God's call on that. And that's where we learned an awful lot from people reflecting on on the scriptures and on their pastoral concerns with the five marks of mission. It's, I think it's a beautiful title because it, it strikes me as that, you know, we become divinized as we follow the call, but also be the call. That's and right. We are the call. That's that, right. Christ has no body now, but yours, you are the hands, you yeah. are the feet. It's a beautiful yeah. image. And we traced how that call and that sense of followership has uh, developed in uh, the Old Testament, uh, the time of the prophets, also in the time of Jesus himself, and then in the post-resurrection uh, discipleship with Paul. and that. So in one sense, there's different types of responses and diff- our understanding of what discipleship has been has grown in that. Finally, where to from now? The book is out. What happens now? Well, the book is being distributed by the diocese to the different parishes. It will be made available more fully, I think, at the Synod, which is in October, and then we will bring it to an international dimension next year at the uh, Lambeth Conference. Any raised eyebrows? You're a Jesuit doing all this work with the Church of Ireland. In spots there have been, but in general there's been a sense of uh, celebration. There's, uh, I went in there as a facilitator, then it became part of my own journey. But I think there's a sense of celebration. This is a good thing to do. I mean, this is part of the marks of mission of maybe breaking down unjust structures of division and, and that as well. So. Yeah, so what personally did it mean to you, David, as a process? I think that the insights into discipleship in in Scripture and how that has varied across different ways. For me, the clarity of the five marks of mission was, to me, was an extraordinary gift 
that the Anglican Communion has and, and how they share and develop some of that and how that has spread in different parts of the world. So reading about that was quite inspiring. And I think then just beginning to hear how people have been implementing this in their own lives and how they have connected it to a much bigger picture and, and what that has meant for them. You know, people would say, well, I belong to a parish, and then they discover they belong to the Church of Ireland, and now they discover they belong to an Anglican communion. And they've expressed that with a lot of gratitude, and uh, that has been good for me.